Welcome to We Are Already Free, a podcast helping down-to-earth seekers and free people to live their truth and be the change, rather than wasting too much time and giving too much energy fighting against what they don't want. Have you realized or noticed that the current economic systems are harmful for you, your loved ones, and really all of life on earth? But maybe you're stuck in a job you don't believe in, working for an extractive company just to make ends meet. Maybe you feel trapped because you need to afford supporting your children, your family, and you're trying to find a different way, but it's really hard to know what direction to turn in, what kind of work you can put your effort and love into that will be in service to this great unfolding, this great rebirthing of life that we're all going through. Thankfully, today's guest, Mariah, is a mother, co-founder of Four Visions Market and seeker on the medicine path. She shares her experiences in aligning herself with indigenous medicine ways, sacred commerce, and creating a business that is beyond fair trade, and really so much more. In this episode, you'll discover how you can reconnect with the abundance of nature and align yourself with a reciprocal way of living. Mariah shares how Four Visions Market uses sacred commerce and why it is beyond fair trade, how we are birthing a new paradigm where we can all thrive, how motherhood is the fire under Mariah's butt to get up and keep going in creating this new reality. Near the end of this episode, Mariah shares a spur-of-the-moment blessing. It's really a short little bit at the end. She shares it for the listeners of this podcast, and it gives me tingles every time I hear it. There is so much practical inspiration in this episode. No matter what stage you are in your journey, there are steps you can take, little things which will create big ripples of positive change. I'm your host, Nathan Maingard, and as a highly sensitive person in a profoundly sick society, I was nearly crushed by my efforts to fit a mold that that society simply calls being a good citizen. Now I help people like me to feel, heal, and grow a more beautiful world using gentle breathwork, empowering songs, stories, and poems, and one-to-one sessions, as well as this podcast. To support this podcast, use my affiliate link to shop at the Four Visions Market, the company featured in this episode. Visit the show notes in your app or directly at alreadyfree.me forward slash 009 to find the link and a discount code for 10% off your first purchase. This way, anything you purchase is directly supporting indigenous peoples and nature conservation while also helping me make this podcast the best place for down-to-earth seekers and free people to be inspired to live their truth and be that change. Thank you for being a part of birthing a new world with me. I'm super stoked that I get to offer you this. And now, please enjoy this heartwarming, inspiring, and empowering episode with the delightful Mariah Ganesha. Ah, yes, I forgot one more thing. I wanted to apologize to Mariah. I didn't think to ask her for the pronunciation of her name. So when I'm speaking with her in this episode, you'll hear that I say Maria. And it was only near the end when she herself said her name that I clicked that it's Mariah. So thank you for understanding and please accept my apologies. Names are important. They help us to give structure and form to things. And so again, thank you, Mariah. Enjoy the episode. 
So thank you again for coming on the podcast. It's really, uh, it's you were recommended by Kash Khan and I had such a beautiful chat with him a couple a month or so ago and really enjoyed that. And there's so many questions I want to ask you. I really want to keep this focused on on this indigenous thread that seems to be a sort of lifeline in our times, this reminder, these these lineages that have remembered or that have never forgotten really our true nature and our the fact that we are nature, that we are integrated with nature and how important it is to live lives aligned with that. And you know, kind of we see the results of not living aligned in those ways. So much dis-ease and so much pain in the world. And so I guess really just to to begin this conversation, the question I'd like to ask is how do you live your life aligned with the indigenous ways and how does that affect how you show up in the world? Beautiful way to start this conversation off. Thank you so much for having me, Nathan. And, um, it's an honor to be here. Um, to answer that question, I guess I would start with saying that for me, the journey uh, that I've taken with the receiving of Indigenous wisdom has been one of really coming from a place of humility, a place of recognizing that these Indigenous wisdom cultures are thousands of years old and hold ancient secrets that have been guarded and safeguarded by the ancestors for millennia. And so to even get the opportunity to um, receive, to learn uh, with with the Indigenous wisdom keepers, to be in partnership with them, to support them as well, and, and to have them as part of my my life is a tremendous honor and I really see it as such and so that's that's the approach that I have taken with all the work that I do whether it be in the studies of the plant medicine culture whether it be in the sharing of the tools of the Amazonian cultures with other people um, the the approach that I take is really based in this this humility because at the end of the day we're living in a very uh, epic time. It's a time where these plant medicines for the first time, for the first generation really, are coming out of the Amazonian rainforest and they're being shared with the West. And as we all know, all over the world, humanity is hurting. Humanity is in need of healing. And we're at a place where what we've been doing for centuries hasn't been working. And more and more people are starting to look for alternative ways to come out of the darkness, come out of the the mass confusion that we have been living under as though we're a cloud for many, many generations at this time. And so to have the opportunity to utilize the teachings and the cultural traditions of of these intact indigenous lineages and the tribes is is an honor more than anything and so that is really how I approach the work that I do and it's it's really the basis for why I do what I do and has been the inspiration for continuing to utilize the connections that I have built over my my years of studying the plant medicines with different communities and different tribes, the relationships that I've built, utilizing those relationships to be a bridge and to share with others. Because through my own personal life, I've received 
numerous blessings and abundance of blessings through the utilize, through the opportunity to work with these tribes, to work with their healing traditions. They have transformed my life, transformed the lives of my loved ones, and have brought so much healing, so much truth, so much connection, reconnection, remembrance, all the good stuff that we're looking for, right? And so I truly believe that within the wisdom cultures, within the traditional ancestral traditions, we find a balm of healing. We find the medicine that we are all looking for. And so we're really at this wonderfully unique and potent time in humanity's evolution where there's this merging happening again, this sharing happening within the within the indigenous cultures and the rest of the world. And I feel that it is crucial. It's crucial for all of humanity in our awakening process, in our remembering process, that we utilize the um, blueprint of these ancestral traditions that have been used for millennia to heal their people and are now being shared to help all of humanity heal. Yeah, it certainly speaks to me deeply where I feel like for myself, my lineage is so, I don't know, well, the word is broken and I don't use that as a sort of judgment on me or my lineage, but that's the reality is that I don't know, I don't know the wisdom keepers of my lineage. I speak to my ancestors when I pray, but I don't. I didn't get that direct passing on. And if I think my mother and my father, the the abuses that they suffered under where their parents didn't even have a single tool for navigating reality in, in any kind of holistic way. And then my parents have done so much work, but they really were the first generation. And there are so many now who are first generation who are starting to like try to return to some way of connected living that is that actually makes sense within the context of reality as it is. And so, yeah, I'm just really grateful for me having these indigenous peoples, having these wisdom keepers, in particular, the Huni Kuin, who I've done some work with, with ayahuasca, although not a massive amount, but like that experience of sitting in circle with indigenous peoples whose lineage is intact was like the biggest, like you've been saying, is this just, just this healing experience of like, wow, there is a way that makes sense. There is a way and actually that the healing that I need to do is only so that I can come home to joy, to celebration, to remembrance. And so I'm wondering how, what are some of the ways that you incorporate some of those lessons in your life, maybe in rituals or in thinking or in how you show up in the world? Well, there's a lot that I could talk about here. And I guess I want to start by just touching on what you're talking about, because I think it's really important to address this absence that we in the Western culture have with culture, with tradition, you know, and so because of that deep absence, that's another reason why so many of us are feeling drawn to these rich cultures. And it brings up the question, how do we, how do we walk in right relationship with these cultures that are gifting and giving us so much beautiful healing opportunities opening so many doors for this reconnection, for profound healing, opening the door for us to connect with our ancestors in a ceremonial way, in a way that honors nature and all of creation. It's such an incredible gift. And at the same time, it's not our culture. And so that is a fine line that we have to walk and we have to learn how to navigate with respect and with reverence, um, because at the end of the day, we're being given 
given this incredible opportunity, this incredible blessing of sharing of, of these cultures and sharing of these ancestral traditions. And from my perspective, if we can come from this place of, of deep, profound gratitude, then we're able to utilize these tools, utilize uh, the ceremonies and the traditional rituals to kind of fill this massive void that we have because so many of us are disconnected um, from the traditions of our ancestors, the ones that whose blood we carry. So I just wanted to mention that because it's it's a diff, it's a very delicate line to walk within this context of of utilizing other traditions for our own healing. And I think that kind of transitioning into this question, where I really find the the biggest amount of bringing it full circle comes for me is through uh, spiritual payments. And so spiritual payments uh, are used throughout many indigenous cultures, but they are in in concept, uh, the concept of making an offering or making a, a, a payment to nature, to the creator um, in gratitude, in gratitude for everything that we have received, in gratitude for everything that we are asking for to come come forth to us. And so one of the one of the most important things that we can do while we're walking this healing path and, and in this process of, of coming home and utilizing tools from other traditions to do so is to make these these offerings and so spiritual payment can be done in in many different ways you can go out into nature you can make an offering of of different plants you can make an offering of crystals or um, ceremonial tools you can make an offering of any sacred object that have uh, blessed your life and have uh, been really beautiful tools for you that you're ready to give back to the earth and the sense is that when we give we receive And so through these spiritual payments, our relationship with nature and the force of life becomes stronger. And more than anything, it's through this inherent relationship and devotion to strengthening our relationship with the force of life that I find to be a a very powerful pillar to carry me through um, and to, to allow me to walk this path in a good way. Spiritual payments can also be done in the form of fasting, giving up food or drink and and spending a day or two days in a a place of silent meditation, reflection, and prayer with the idea that we're giving up something that we that is convenient to us, something that we um, often take for granted, and we're putting it aside for this period of time to be able to allow ourselves to come into greater communion with God, with nature, whatever you want to call it, life, whatever name resonates for you. Um, this can also be done with giving up, um, you know, social media or technology for a certain amount of time. Spiritual payments can be anything that we want them to be, but it's simply through the intention and through making this offering to the Creator that we are able to open ourselves to receive and to connect and to um, have a deeper. Um, communion and connection. And so this is one of the most powerful um, things that I have used in my life to kind of guide me and to give some structure um, to this this process of receiving um, so much and and working with uh, the different cultures. So I hope that kind of answered your question. I'm happy to elaborate more, but that's kind of the first tool that really comes to mind for me um, when it when it comes to, you know, rituals that I use on a regular basis to support to support me in my work yeah well so let's get into that a little more around just your work because you 
have this company that you are a part of um, or you've launched. I'm sorry if I don't know the exact <laughs> positioning, but um, the it's, am I, it's the Four Visions Market. Am I correct? Mm-hmm. Yes, Four Visions Market. And I started it, um, I started it about six years ago uh, with the father of my son. And uh, we kind of, it was a dream seed that kind of developed and is now, you know, a, a, a entity of its own. It really has taken on, you know, its own mission. And I'm kind of just now in service to in service to its platform and to the work that is coming through. And it's been it's been wonderful. Yeah. So please share, because this is one of the things you spoke to a little earlier, at least from what I was understanding, is this idea of being this fine line of like, say, for example, me as a Westerner looking to reconnect. And so I find this indigenous tribe or these indigenous ways and I think, oh, that's fantastic. And so I start working with Hape uh, or I start working with Sanango. I start working with Sage, all these beautiful medicines from the Amazon and from North Americas and these various places. And then that can very easily become an extractive experience where I'm just taking something for myself so that I can benefit without really giving back. And my understanding is that your company is really a way for people to access a reciprocal experience. So if you could explain what how that works with your company, how is it that by supporting your company, someone can directly support the indigenous ways, the indigenous peoples in a way that's really respectful and really yeah reciprocal? Mm-hmm. Yes, I would love to. So I guess I'll start with a little background of, of how Four Visions came to be and, and how I kind of got into this world because I, I never planned to start a business. It was really supposed to be an initiative, an arts initiative, call it what you will. But in my head, when I first brought back the first um, set of, of Amazonian jewelry, it, it came because I was working with uh, the Colombian Taitas and I felt so I fell so deeply in love with the culture, with the love that they shared and gave to me and to the other people who were working with them. And I felt so honored to get to receive um, receive the healing from them, to get to have this incredible experience of sharing with them that I wanted to support them. And they had all this beautiful art and they needed to sell it. They needed um, to be able to, you know, get the economic um revenue from that art uh, to be able to feed their families and to do a lot of other important things, which I'll share more about in a little while. But um, I I brought this first bag of of jewelry back, really like just thinking I would share it with my friends that maybe I could utilize it to talk and and educate people a little bit more about um, the Ingano tribe, which was the first tribe that I I started working with in Colombia. It was never with the intention of of launching a, a business or a platform, but over time, um, it throughout my relations, I started meeting other indigenous communities, and and the the message that I was getting over and over every time I spoke to these incredible tribes, and I was asking, how can I support? How can we support? How can we give back? You've given us so much. You're giving so much. What what do you need from us? The answer, time and time again, was economic sovereignty, because at the end of the day. Whether we like it or not, all of the world 
survives on a money-based economy in today's world. So what does that mean? Like in our heads, we often think, oh, the indigenous tribes, they're living deep in the Amazon jungle and, and they're, they don't, they don't need anything from the Western economy. They don't, they don't need to go to the store. They, they grow all their own food. They don't need um, any sorts of building materials. They do everything from, from, they take everything and they use everything from the resources available to them in the Amazon forest. Well, yes, that's a beautiful visualization, and it probably was true 200 years ago. But today, we're living in this time where there's so much sharing of, of culture, and there's been so much movement and mobilization outside of the Amazon uh, for these tribes that they're very much reliant on um, the necessities that that we also need, you know. And so they they need money to be able to purchase those supplies. Again, additionally, you know, the, many of the tribes are facing um, the the backlash of of decades and decades of of deforestation and and ecological um, attack on their territories that have left their rivers running dry, that have left their uh, their forests depleted, that have left the fish dead in the rivers due to the chemicals that have been, um, you know. Uh, put into the rivers by by the um by the larger companies that are taking that are taking advantage of uh, the, the rainforest and her peoples in many ways and that have been doing so for for hundreds of years really now and so at this point um so many of the tribes who are wanting to preserve their culture as well as preserve their peoples because it's an element of survival at these at this point they need to take matters into their own hands they need to and they need money to be able to do that so when a wa- when a river runs dry they need to drill a well and drilling a well is just as expensive in the amazon jungle as it is in any other part of the world and when the fish are killed off because of the chemicals, they need to um, they need to build fish ponds and they need to start to um, sustain themselves and plant food forests and basically um, recuperate a lot of the resources that have been um, devastatingly depleted through you know the western western civilization and colonization and um you know the the way that big companies operate in the world Um, and so when i was starting to really understand what they needed the money for it really became clear to me that i felt called to to get them that money i felt called to be a bridge to um be able to um, be a partner to to the tribes and to be an ally for them. You know, a lot of times they they get a lot of uh, spiritual support and people saying, you know, we support the Amazon. But at the end of the day, what they need is money. They need money so that their their tribes people don't have to sell out and get paid to burn down their forests, which is happening in the Kuntanawa territory in the Amazon, where unfortunately, due to lack of jobs in the tribe, um, many of the tribes people have been taking out the payouts from um, either the government or other big companies, big industries that are basically offering them money to burn down their trees. And so this obviously directly affects 
um, the, the tribes, but it also affects the Amazon rainforest. So the lungs of the earth, which on a scientific level is important for proper oxygen for all of the planet and for all of the planet's ecosystems to flourish. We have to protect the Amazon rainforest. And so it, there's a lot of different layers that I started uncovering that I never looked, I started never, I never went looking for, but it, they started coming to me through simply when I started asking the question, how can I help? How can I support? And, um, and again, you know, through my own personal studies, I, I have been working with plant medicines for over a decade now. And, and through my um, work with the plant medicines, that was really the catalyst for why I started um why I started looking for ways I could help, you know? So it was my own personal healing journey that led me, that inspired me to find a way to give back. So that all being said, um, Four Visions Market became a bridge, became an opportunity where we could support the tribes, where we could source ethically um, medicines and plant tools and traditional art directly from the tribes people are the artisans giving them the opportunity to practice their traditional uh, culture so um, you know when when their art is valued when their medicinal tools and products are valued then the younger the younger generation the teenagers they don't go into the cities looking for some other job with the mining companies or the oil companies they stay in the in the communities and the territories and they study from their fathers and their grandfathers and they learn the botanical remedies they learn how to make the tools and the traditions are preserved so there's a lot of beautiful things that happen when we empower and when we acknowledge that that these tools are are powerful and that we are wanting to support and, and receive them so educating the the customer was really important because I didn't want to just start sourcing all these incredible tools and leaving the customer kind of in the dark about what we were doing. And that's where I start. We started to come up with this really unique model um, that's really beyond fair trade. And I like to think of it as sacred commerce, um, like the true epitome of sacred commerce. And this is kind of where I started to really get interested in in running a business, honestly, because before that, I was really just turned off a little bit by all the different elements that are required to run an e-commerce business in 2020. You know, it was 2019, 2018 when we started um, going online. So essentially, you know, it was when I started to see, wow, there can be a, a different model than what has been shown to us for the last 40, 50 years um, in capitalism that can bring abundance to all involved. And so uh, we developed this Beyond Fair Trade model that not only gives 50% of all the purchases directly back to the indigenous artisans, which you would obviously consider like normal fair trade, right? But then on top of that, all of our profits, we take 10% and we donate it to different um, indigenous tribes, different um, communities or initiatives that are happening that we want to support. We give a lot of the donations to different um, nonprofits and um, and and not-for-profit organizations that are preserving the Amazon rainforest or that are doing really good work with the preservation of culture and the Amazonian peoples. And so this has allowed us to make a really big impact and we do it we, we do it as a community. And that's really the, the thing that sets our model apart from 
any other, um, you know, source of, of these tools because we're giving the, the client, the customer, the opportunity to really play a part in, in creating this reciprocity and play a part in um, being in, in relationship with the tribes because they, they are making a really big impact um, simply through their purchase. And it's giving people the opportunity to work with these medicines uh, with a certain closeness to the Amazonian peoples that's simply not available if you're just purchasing these tools from anywhere without a greater understanding of, of what projects are being supported by, by your purchase, what tribes are being supported by your purchase. And so we started to really educate. We started to really build in this element of, of education into our business model. And that really was pivotal in, in allowing us to grow, allowing us to have the reach that we have been able to have over the last few years. And it's, it's developed into this really beautiful bridge where we are bridging the world to the Amazon. And anyone who's interested in plant medicines hears about Four Visions because they, they are looking for this opportunity. And that's something else really important. Most people who are wanting to work with plant tools or wanting to receive, they want to do it in a good way. It's just that they're not exactly sure how. And so for Four Visions, we wanted to provide people the opportunity to, to do this and to know that they could receive these tools um, in, in, a, in a good way, in a way that was honoring of the traditional cultures and uh, really was forging a bridge between their tools, the products that they receive at their front door, and the artisans and the medicine makers, the traditional botanists that were making them. And so that's really kind of how... Four Visions came to be, and through it, you know, we launched um, a, a sister nonprofit organization, Magic Fund, which stands for the Movement for Amazonian Growth um, and Indigenous Cultures, and that was really important for us so that we had um, a specific organization that we really could back and, and support and um, is doing really beautiful things in specifically the Colombian Amazon. Uh, we have a lot of incredible projects that we're funding this year. And it's been, it's been so beautiful to be able to work closely with tribal leaders, to be working with chiefs and healers and, and spiritual teachers of these different tribes and communities and really getting this feedback pretty consistently now that thank you and when can you place the next order you know and so there's nothing there's nothing more beautiful to to hear from tribal chiefs and spiritual leaders that than this you know that like a confirmation that they are truly very grateful as well and so this this element of gratitude and abundance for all is woven into the core principles of Four Visions so that the person receiving these medicines receive optimum blessings and abundance to their life through the use of these healing tools and that everyone else involved in the, in the chain of, of how to get those tools to their front door also benefits and also flourishes and also thrives, you know, and I think that really kind of goes to this new paradigm that we're entering into and that we're birthing um, as humanity is we can thrive, you know, we can all be in abundant um, sacred relationship with the earth mother and with all the sacred wisdom that she has to offer us. It's available to us. We just have to make it happen. You know, we have to think outside the box. We have to kind of unveil the, the cobwebs of the eyes that have kind of kept us thinking in the ways that we've been thinking for generations that 
hasn't worked and start to realize that maybe there's another way, you know? And so Four Visions has really proven that to me. And I think that it's beginning to um, do that for others too and inspire others. And, and that's truly just an incredible blessing. So how would you, if someone is interested in, because I, th- I think one of the things, so I've prefaced before I ask the question, but it's basically in this time, so many people's fitting into society has become a lot harder for so many Westerners, especially those who are realizing that the old systems aren't effective. They haven't been effective. They are making people sick. They're making the world sick and they want a different way. And yet they're still kind of in that world of like, now maybe they've got a few kids. They're like trying to work out, okay, how do I, how do I pay the bills and also be a part of this new world? And so the the question I'd have for you as someone who clearly has a lot of experience in this area is like, do you have any tips or ways that someone could look at getting involved in or start thinking differently about sacred commerce and having a purpose and really like moving in that direction in their local area, wherever they are in the world? Like what are some of the ways you might recommend to someone to get started? Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. So there's so many different ways and little baby steps that we can take to start to kind of pull us out of the cycle of what my teacher Taito Juanito likes to call the cycle of no life. Um, And I think that so many of us are living in that cycle where it's, you know, work, um, sleep, food, works, food, you know, and it's just this, this constant cycle of autopilot where there's no life being lived, you know? And so how do we start to get out of that cycle? Um, it depends, you know, where we're at in our spiritual path. Like, do we have a spiritual path or are we living like a normal nine to five, um, you know, just starting to hear about some other ways. Right. So I guess we'll start, we'll start there and then we can kind of go bigger. So it can start really by just taking a look at how we can bring more color into our lives. So how we can start to bring more joy and beauty into our lives, whether that be um, starting to find practices that can um, connect you with nature. Because many of us who are living in that cycle of no life are very disconnected from our source, Mother Nature. And so especially if we're living and working like in an office space or we're living and working within certain situations that leave us with limited time for ourselves, um, one of the best things we can do is fill that little time that we have for ourselves with things that bring joy and with things that bring connection to nature. So whether it be a walking in a park or walking on the beach, whether it be um, swimming in the ocean or going to a creek and connecting with water, um, whether it be uh, having a fire, you know, and connecting um, with friends and family around a fire and connecting with the element of fire, which is a sacred, powerful element. These little things that we start to add in, they start to make big ripples into our, into our lives. And by calling upon the force of nature, we can start to, um, open our, our hearts and open our minds to greater change because nature then becomes an ally, an ally that is literally accompanying us on our journey. So you look, start to look and see where, where we can start to add a little bit more of that colorful living. And then from there, we start to look at the choices we do have, the options we do have within our life. Where do we go shopping? Are we shopping at a big mega chain grocery store or are we supporting local farmers or are we planting some 
some of our own food. You don't have to start with a huge garden, but maybe you start growing your own herbs, you know? And we start to make little little baby steps towards living more in connection with the earth and living more in connection with ourselves and with all of creation. We start to take a look at where what what uh, businesses we support, you know, if we're supporting again big mega industries that don't practice this this element of of sacred commerce that are um, leeching from um, under from underpoverished people who are um, without resources and are taking and, and demolishing communities, or are we choosing to uplift? local businesses and um, buy from from local uh, people in our community who are trying to support themselves you know and to and to offer something to the community so we start to vote with our dollar essentially you know whatever money we have in our pocket at the end of each paycheck we start to really think like how are we spending it Um, because that's a really really big big shift that we can start to make in our consciousness, you know, and, um, and really thinking like, even it's as, it's as easy as like, am I going to buy a Starbucks coffee or am I going to go to the local coffee shop and support the local business, you know? So it's, it can be really, really small. And then as we get going on that and we start to kind of rewire our brains, essentially, we start to see that there are opportunities to bring more connection every moment, every second, you know, with our breath, with, with connecting um, with plant allies in ways that you don't even need to know a lot about plant medicines or have access to the ancestral plant medicines to start to work with plants. You start to take chamomile tea before you go to bed and you, and you start to connect with the chamomile plant for calming, for anxiety relief, and you start to form a relationship with that plant. And then over time, chamomile becomes an ally for you. Allies are tools that we can utilize that come like spiritual friends accompanying us on our journey. And so allies can take the form of plant tools. They can take the form of prayer and meditation. They can take the form of any sort of spiritual practice like yoga um, or um, any other sort of qigong or tai chi, any sort of bodily movement that is conscious, that's allowing you to form that mind-body connection. And we start to go looking for those things. Maybe you find joy in making music. Maybe you find joy in creating art. Maybe you haven't drawn since you were kindergarten because your kindergarten teacher laughed at you and told you you are a horrible artist and you never picked up a pencil or a crayon again you know and so maybe you pull that out again maybe you join a local art class and you start to kind of reignite that passion for life that search is how we get out of the cycle of no life and once we start to pull ourselves out of that cycle we start to see that there's a whole world waiting for us to live and there's a whole potential awaiting us uh, as soon as we open our eyes to it and that's kind of where that um, catalyst kind of comes in and one thing leads to another and we slowly start to find more and more resources that start to bring more and more joy to our lives and then we start to emanate that joy we start to live from that place and we inspire others we might um, eventually become someone that can help someone else who is also in that dark place or in a place of of absence, the place of like true lack within themselves where they're so disconnected that, that they need help, they need guidance, and maybe we can one day be that for someone else. And so that's kind of how I see this process of you know, finding finding connection and, and starting to utilize the tools around us. And there's so many tools available to us. 
Um, you know, I just named a few, but really like there's just infinite amount of resources available for us wherever we live in the world. You know, there's always there's always medicine. And so we just have to open our eyes and start looking for it and start calling, calling it forth. And it will start to appear and um, present itself in the most magical ways because that is what life is all about. I love that you started with just the little steps. I think that's, that's good medicine for me as well because I have this tendency to think I need to do it all at once and, I'm, and I burn myself out trying to like be something instead of just being here now, which is like the best, the only starting point, really. Um, I'm curious around, because I think I read somewhere around motherhood and how that has been a part of or is a part of your journey as someone who's a mother has become a mother. And I, I wanted to kind of just touch on that as well. It's a bit of a segue from what we've been speaking about, but I also think it's connected. It's the sense of what are we bringing into the world and how are we, how are we sort of caring for that, which we are responsible for that which comes through us. And I'm just curious to know how how does motherhood relate to your work and how does how has it shifted or how is it supported by this work that you're doing? I'd love to talk about that, of course, because it is the inspiration for me showing up every day. My child uh, is the constant fire under my butt to get up and to keep doing the work that I'm doing because I truly believe that uh, this is for the ones that are to come. You know, we are creating a new, a new reality, a new paradigm, a new, a new life for for our children to inherit. Um, and so, I guess I'll start with my journey into motherhood because it's it's kind of an interesting story. Um, because for me, when I became a mother. Um, I was deeply in my spiritual studies within the Yahé tradition of Colombia. And so the Yahé is the Colombian form of ayahuasca. Um, and there are about five tribes in the Colombian Amazon that are stewards of this medicine. Um, but like I mentioned at the beginning, um, about 10 years ago, I met my teacher, Taita Juanito, and I started um, studying and and going through different initiations um, and eventually became a disciple of this um, 5,000 year old culture and tradition. And so very interesting to be a white woman within um, a, a studying uh, an indigenous tradition and um, especially like the way that my studies developed, they, they became very um very focused. I was drinking a lot of medicine, doing different diets and studying with the plants of the culture and um, doing a lot of the spiritual uh, payments and the spiritual um, tools and practices that come with the culture of Yahweh. So when I became pregnant, it was, um, it was a little bit of a kind of a shake up to everything that I had been doing up until that point. Um, in the culture of Yahweh, when a woman becomes pregnant, she enters into a different ceremony. It's a, a nine-month ceremony, well, really 12 months because we include the three months postpartum as um, the, the completion of this spiritual diet. And it's actually a time where we step away from the plant medicines and we start to connect to the medicine of, of life and the medicine of gestation, the medicine of creation. And so it was a little bit of a shakeup for me in that sense because I was loving my life. I was loving everything that I was doing and to have to kind of step away from it or find a new way to relate to it um, challenged me in a lot of ways and brought up a lot of 
strong processes that um, in the end I needed to go through for my own personal healing to become stronger in the path to um, better understand the tradition as well that I was studying within, you know, because um, that's such a, it's such an interesting um, element of the tradition around the, around the gestation and pregnancy and really seeing it as its own unique ceremony. So until I went through that process, I was really missing a huge chunk of this culture. And it gave me the opportunity to really um, go into this, what is called the study of creation and the study of motherhood and, and the study of birth. And um, for me, I went into an incredible time of of connecting with the force of life, connecting with um, my ancestors, connecting with my bloodline and doing a very deep cleaning process to purify and to clean everything that I needed to heal, everything that I needed to resolve um, in order to bring forth my child. And, um, you know, they say that it's like a process of calling them home from the stars. And so in the birth portal, in the time when, when he was coming through, it really Really felt that I was journeying. To, I felt that I was journeying to the stars to meet him and to bring him forth, and it was a very celestial experience. And honestly, stronger than any other plant medicine experience that I've ever had, which really blew me out of the water. Because you know, I've drinking yahe for many, many years, and it was it was quite shocking to experience something that you know, quantitatively, there's no quantification. But in that in that experience, I felt that this was the po- most powerful ceremony that I had ever had. And so it left me really humbled and, of course, you know, fell in love with my son and had this really beautiful process of of birthing him in my power, in my home, on my land, Um, and then getting to do the spiritual payments that we do in this tradition um, following the birth because in order to complete this cycle, in order to support the soul in grounding them into this world after being um, in in the celestial world for the last nine months, there's different uh, rituals that we had to do um, in order to complete that process. And it was completing the process for me because I also went through a rebirthing process through the gestation and the birth of my son and um and then you know of course uh completing his process so that he could walk forward in this life and so it was it was a really magical beautiful um transitional point in my life and I really did come away from that feeling anew feeling like I was a different person and I know that that's pretty common for for women after they give birth and for just new parents in general because it's such a such a reality shift, you know, to realize that there is another being that depends on you and that um, looks to you for every single one of their needs. And um, it really helped me and inspired me to to recognize that every thought that I think, every word that I speak, every act that I take um, is a mirror for him, that is is an example for him. And what do I want to leave as my legacy through through my child? And so that kind of spread out in a lot of things, right? And it can be as simple as, and this is something I didn't mention when we were talking about those simple spiritual um, changes we can make. But like, I noticed that while I was just spending time with him, I was in spiritual work. I was in study because I was learning about myself. I was learning about what it means to, to raise the next generation, what it means to be a steward for another soul, what it means to honor the other soul's sovereignty. And I noticed that was one of the most um, shocking things for me when I looked into my child's eyes, those first few months, like recognizing just how sovereign 
he really is and was in that moment and realizing all I am here to do is to is to walk with him and to protect him the best that I can but more than anything to to honor that he has his own path he has his own mission he has his own purpose and all I all I can do is is accompany him on this journey and so it was it was a very spiritually awakening experience that left me forever changed and every choice that I make now it comes back to him you know and I think that that's really a beautiful thing about parenthood there it's like that constant reminder um every step of the journey of why we do what we do and um and choosing you know what we fill our time with and so I really had to start to get really focused on you know my what how I was using my time and and what I was doing with my projects and and it really provided a great catalyst for me to really move forward um with clarity, with devotion. And my devotion to my child ended up being like the reason that I've been able to pour my heart and soul into the different projects that I'm doing um, for for the Amazon and for the Amazonian peoples, because I really do feel that um, these wisdom teachings are the answer for uh, all of humanity. And that over the next few generations, we're going to see a continued um, sharing of these tools, of these cultures, and of these traditions. And so setting the uh, platform or setting the um, the pillars down for like how that is going to look over the next 20 or 30 years as these medicines and these cultures continue to come out of the jungle more and more um, is imperative to ensure that um, that we can really rise and we can we can receive the most from from this time that we're living in and that as humanity that that are that our children that are uh, that are growing that are coming into this world that they can receive a different world than we inherited and so um that's really my my reason for what I do and um and I love to share about it I have there's a lot of passion for me there in that subject because because he is my life he's my world and and he's also you know my biggest teacher in so many ways so yeah that's a little bit about my journey into motherhood thank you so much for sharing I, my partner Kali and I are not yet parents but we talk about it a lot and it's definitely something that's calling us and and there's obviously those like you said there's there's no quantifying or no it's like the thing that I know that's so big that there's no way to know how big it is but I know that it's too big for me to know which in itself is scary enough <laughs> um, but yeah it's just beautiful to hear thank you so much for sharing and I and I, and I really see that a lot in the the medicine path people I see who are, who have children who are on the medicine path working with plant medicines I see such a difference in the way that those children are navigating the world and I see a difference in the relational dynamics between the parents and the children so yeah I really appreciate your sharing. Thank you very much. I the next question is kind of a, a little segue again. We're just kind of moving around a bit, but um, I, I'm curious to know. I mean, I definitely believe that your company obviously is a really great option for this, but just wondering if you have any other recommendations for people. So I'll give you some context. So having worked with the Honey Queen a, a little bit myself when they come to South Africa, I've uh, at some point one of their songs, they, which the, the words they say, Eskawata Kaiwe, which I'm sure you know this, but for anyone listening, it, it means transformation. 
And one of my songs that I had written many years ago is all about transformation. And while I was playing it on one of the weekends, uh, someone started singing Eskawata Kaiwe over my song. And it just, it just suddenly the song that was already seven years old suddenly was complete. And so I've been playing that song and I use it. And, and so after that experience, with the honey coin and with now using some of their words in my songs, I just put money, a, some a small amount of money aside every month that I then give to the honey coin, um, to some of their projects. Like if they're building a building in the village and they need money, then I have something I can support with. So, the the question I want to ask is is how do you recommend or invite people to support their indigenous peoples or their their sort of wisdom ways that they have access to or that they get wisdom from, whatever those ways might be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, that's such a great question. And I'm happy you asked it because it's important to, to touch on that. You know, how, how do we go about finding um, ways to, to give back? And it's, it goes beyond like purchasing a product, right? So it's important to talk about different ways in which we can support. Um, so, so the first thing I want to talk about is is amplifying different projects that that um, you resonate with. There's so many incredible nonprofit organizations um, and so many incredible indigenous initiatives that are taking place all over the world, not just in the Amazon. You know, um, if, if you go into your local communities, chances are that there are indigenous peoples um, or close to or where you live and, um, and you can support them in numerous ways by going to their events, by sharing about their work, by um, seeing what they need and utilizing your contacts, your resources within your community to support them and to give back. Um, and then, you know, broader terms like you you need to find find the projects that really speak to you um because what four visions really focuses on is giving a lot of different opportunities so for example i mentioned that we're in partnership with with our nonprofit but we also are in partnership with many other nonprofit organizations that we get behind and the the work that we do there is to give people more opportunities to learn about the different projects and resources that are taking place so for example we recently just partnered with children of the rainforest and this is a nonprofit organization spearheaded by chief barashi iskakua of the yawanawa tribe and they are doing a lot of incredible work and they're focused on building a language preservation school for the Yawanawa tribe and their community, New Hope Village. And so um, if you have ever worked with the Yawanawa in any capacity, you know, um, and you feel called to to connect Children of the Rainforest is a great organization um, that's really working to preserve the language because that's something that a lot of the indigenous tribes are facing is that the younger generations are growing up, they're not learning their traditional languages. And so these languages are indigenous Endangered. And so a lot of the tribes are facing um, the need to preserve their traditional languages. And, you know, you, it was cool because you just mentioned like the power that the Hunikuin language had for you in, in your journey. And it's true. These indigenous languages are so ancestral and they're codes of profound connection with the ancestors, profound connection with the celestial realms. They carry secrets that have been um, stewarded and safeguarded by the indigenous peoples for millennia. And so it's vital that we preserve those languages because within them holds the, the key to the, like the pillars of these cultures and the, and the, um, 
foundations for, from, for many of these cultures. So um, that's one project. Uh, the Kunta Nawa tribe have their own nonprofit called Transform and Illuminate Project. And that's focused all on reforestation. As I mentioned, they've been facing a lot of um, horrible fires in, in the area of their territory in the Amazon basin and, um, and are dealing with tremendous need to reforest and to um, plant trees and to begin to rebuild and preserve um, their territories and their land. So there's many incredible projects out there and there's not there's not one answer. You have to find the one that resonates the most with you. And it's wonderful to hear that you've been, you've been setting aside a little bit each month because it's such a great practice, you know, and it's like kind of um, can be compared to tithing a little bit in the sense that, um, you know, we if there's a specific tradition that's supporting us in our healing and evolutionary growth, that we find a way to give back. And that's why I started with like ways in which we can just amplify their projects. If you have a platform share about it become an ally to them by utilizing your your network to get their message out there more you know um it doesn't have to be just financial but at the end of the day most of us in the west have a lot more money to play with than than the indigenous villages so for us twenty dollars a month really doesn't break the bank but if you can make that commitment monthly it becomes um you know it becomes a spiritual payment in a lot of ways so it's like it's creating that foundation of sacred reciprocity which allows you to have a stronger connection with the Amazon and the Amazonian peoples and really just allows you to be able to catalyze forward and grow so much more in your connection with these cultures because you're, you're making an effort to say, like, I'm with you, I stand with you, and um, and I'm not just saying that, I'm really doing something. Even if it's a small thing, you know, the point is that we're doing something and little by little, um, these ripples start to have greater effect and these organizations start to get greater um, no, uh, no, notori- notoriety and they start to become more more heard about and, and this is really how we can start to make a big bigger change you know because at the end of the day um, the Amazonian people they do need our help uh, if they were just living like they were living they had lived 500 years ago then they probably would be fine they would be sustainable they would be um, within the context of their traditional um traditional ways, but because of the raping of their cultures that has taken place over the last 300 years, it can't be denied that at this point, um, they do need the industry, they do need the um, financial support to be able to to put in place the necessary infrastructure and the necessary um, economic structure to support their communities so that um, they can live well and so that their their missions and their work and and their healing can can continue to be preserved. So I think that's kind of getting to be a little repetitive at this point, but I, it's important to just say that it, it really does kind of come full circle, you know? And, and, um, and so, yeah, I hope that answers your question. Like really it's just about finding like the, the initiatives that inspire you the most and that you want to get behind. And it really, it could be like a, a native, if you're living in the, in the Northwestern the southwestern United States, you know, finding finding the Navajo, Navajo tribe or reservation and seeing um, what what they need and how you can support them, or finding um, whatever indigenous communities are near you and um, attending their workshops, attending their classes, giving giving that support in that way. So 
Yeah. And it's, and it's really, it's for us too. That's another thing. It's not like we're like giving because we feel like we, we have to, or we should. It's, it's, it's the way that we can all rise together. And this is the way that we can really create that, that new way of, of thriving, of flourishing. And, and I think that that's, it's really important that we stand together at this time, you know, for humanity, that we come together, that we unite, that we recognize that we're all in this together because there's just been, too much separation at this point, you know, it's like the story's old. We got to write a new story and we got to write a story of unity. We got to write a story of coming together, of supporting one another, of forming allyship and alliances. And many of the indigenous leaders talk a lot about that as to why they started to come out of the jungle and start to share, because it's very recent that most of these tribes are coming out. We're talking in the last 10 years, some of them 20, but we're really talking in the last decade that these traditions are coming out of the rainforest to be shared. And many of them speak to that of why being that they feel that it's time that we put down these, these barriers of blood or um, of race or of skin color. And we start to really realize that we are one, we are one race. We are the race of humanity and we're one tribe and that, you know, these cultures are available to all who want to receive them in a good way. And I think that's important to mention because a lot of us find us ourselves in like a little bit of a, a story of, um, oh, I'm not worthy of receiving these teachings or I don't want to be, um, you know, taking more from these cultures or um, I, you know, just like all of the, all of the, um, all the stuff that's out there regarding, um, yeah, just uh, taking from the cultures and, and not respecting the traditions. But at the end of the day, the, these, these indigenous cultures are saying, come, drink from our well. We have enough water to nourish all of humanity. We have enough to share. We want to share, you know, come, come and heal with us because we want all of our brothers and sisters to heal and we don't differentiate. And that has been my experience of working with these different tribes and these different communities. And it's been so beautiful to see this perspective because it really has allowed me to kind of soften into this and recognize, okay, you know, I, I can do this. I can walk this path with the plant medicines. I can walk this path with these ancestral cultures that maybe aren't mine, but if I do them um, with righteousness and if I, if I do it with respect and reverence, then, then it can actually be something very beautiful. And so that's, that's something that I just wanted to mention because um, I think it's important to say as well. Well, thank you so much for your time, uh, Maria. It's been really a pleasure to connect and to hear from someone who's so closely integrated into these cultures and really doing such beautiful work to to help us all to rebirth in this time, to to rebirth so that we can live a different way because it's in a way where I feel like I and I, the people I witness a lot in the West, we're like imagineering, we're visioning a world we don't exactly have a context for. And I think the indigenous ways are such a beautiful template and such a beautiful example of, hey, this is our natural state. This is possible. We can be in joy in life in celebration. So I have one more. Well, I have another question after that, but the, the final kind of big question I have for you is what does we are already free mean for you? Hmm. We are already free to me speaks to the inherent sovereignty that we carry each one of us within our hearts. Uh, that is our divine connection to nature, our divine connection to source, our divine connection to 
our own authenticity and our existential liberation that is awaiting us. All we have to do is open our eyes and choose it and say yes to life and claim it and allow that reality to sink in and to bless our lives. And so to me, that is what we are already free represents this eternal sovereignty over body, mind, spirit, and soul that is available to us and that is inherent within each and every one of us. Thank you. I'm really grateful to hear your reflections. And where can the listener find you? Where are the best places to support what you're doing and to connect with you further? Yeah, of course. So um, you can learn more about our arts initiative, Four Visions, at fourvisionsmarket.com. Um, check us out on Instagram at, at Four Visions Market and my own personal Instagram at Mariah Ganessa, where I share a lot more about my own personal spiritual journey. And, um, and those are the main places for now. You can also check us out at magicfundamazon.org um, to learn more about our nonprofit. And those are the main ones. So um, that's, that's it, really. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Mar Mariah. I realize I didn't even think to ask you the <laughs> pronunciation, even though names are so important. So Mariah, thank you very much. I really appreciate your time today all the way across the world in, could uh, you say, Columbia and it was raining and I even heard thunder. So thank you. What an amazing thing. <laughs> yeah, the rains came to bless us. Nathan, God bless you. God bless your project. Thank you to everyone who tuned in and thank you for this wonderful opportunity to get to connect and share a little bit more. Wishing you all the best and many, many blessings. Thank you again to Mariah Ganesha. And funnily enough, I know I said I said her first name wrong throughout the episode. I actually don't know if that's the way to pronounce her last name. So Mariah, please forgive me if this is incorrect, but <laughs> let me know. Anyway, thank you to Mariah of Four Visions Market for blessing us with your presence on this podcast. You can find links to Mariah, Four Visions, and everything else we discussed by visiting the show notes wherever you listen or directly at alreadyfree.me forward slash zero zero nine. As I mentioned before, I've also become an affiliate of the Four Visions Market, so you can buy from them and support the podcast at no extra cost to you. They have clothes, courses, instruments, jewelry, ceremonial tobacco, and heaps of other lovingly crafted medicines and sacred creations, made with many blessings by indigenous peoples. One of the things they sell is the ceremonial tobacco named hape which is a huge part of my personal practice it has helped me massively in grounding in rooting and really staying centered and aligned with my mission with service with joy with presence so i'm so grateful that they have such a reliable source for that it's amazing this is truly spiritual medicine what four visions market is offering and a much better way of engaging in commerce which empowers everyone involved Find my affiliate link and a discount code for 10% off your first purchase at alreadyfree.me forward slash 009. Finally, please subscribe or follow the podcast wherever you listen and leave a review on Apple Podcasts or a star rating on Spotify. It will take you a minute at most and makes a big difference. It lets me know that you're out there digging the vibe, enjoying what I'm putting out and enjoying what this podcast is bringing. It also helps anyone else who's thinking of 
listening, who's making that decision, helps them to know that this is something worth giving attention and time to. So thank you so much for that. You can find all the links to platforms in the show notes with everything else at alreadyfree.me forward slash zero zero nine. Until next week, I'm your host, Nathan Maingard, and it's been an honor to share with you today, dear listener. May your every step be a remembrance of the miracle and blessing of life. 